Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, as they say, desperate times call for desperate measures. And certainly in the oil patch at the moment, there is a combination of desperation, frustration, a whole lot of emotion. We're just unable to get past some of these obstacles. And not only is the industry paying a price, but we're all collectively paying a price. We are leaving a a lot of money on the table, a lot of revenue on the table uh, as a result of this massive discount the Western Canadian Select is selling at. And it's holding back the recovery. So as I say, uh, maybe it is time to look at out-of-the-box ideas. There's been a call by some in the industry, including Synovus, to have government impose production cuts that would reduce this oversupply and hopefully, at least in the short term, help address this price differential. Now, not everybody's on board. Others in the industry, Suncor and Husky, for example, uh, have rejected this call. But it's time to put some ideas on the table, even if they are unconventional or radical. Because we got to do something, don't we? Now, joining us for his thoughts, very pleased to welcome to the program, W. Brett Wilson, co-founder of First Energy Capital, chairman, Canoe Financial, entrepreneur, philanthropist, former Dragon. Brett, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Well, that's a busy introduction. A lot of ground to cover here. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So let, let's start with this idea, first of all. What do you make of the idea of, at least in the short term, uh, some production cuts? Well, let's not forget that the guy who introduced legislation to allow the government to do this was a gentleman who we... Yeah, okay. Uh, All right, well, let's just hopefully wait for Brett to to call us back here. Uh, Not sure exactly what happened there. Kind of left us hanging there. Um, But yeah, certainly the government would have the ability, if it wanted, uh, to, to do something like this. Like I say, there's some disagreement in the industry as to uh, whether we want to go down this path. But there is a lot of concern at the moment uh, with the situation we're dealing with. And if we're not going to do this, well, what are we going to do? How do we uh, get around uh, the situation we're facing right now? You know, there's not a lot of uh, obvious solutions here. And maybe it is going to take something uh, outside the box. Uh, I think we've got him back. Brett, you there? I am here. Okay. I have All right. a degree in engineering and I can't run a phone. But we're uh, good. That's okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we kind of left it at a bit of a cliffhanger there. You were talking about why Alberta <laughs> has this ability in the first place. Well, it was Peter Lougheed, I remind everyone, who put in place the legislation that would allow us to create curtailment, enforced curtailment. So it's not a brand new concept. It's certainly one that's a bit controversial. But for sure, the two people who you described as opposed to it are the people who are benefiting the most. Because 
because they're integrated and they're capturing the delta or the difference because of the expanded differential. So they're acting in purely self-interest. They're not thinking about their employees. They're not thinking about the province they live and do business in. They're thinking about themselves and themselves only. And I think there's a win-win embedded in all of this where a couple of the integrateds may have to give a little because they're getting unusual windfall profits right now. And so to give away some windfall profits, which the market's not going to reward them for, it's simply a bit of cash in their jeans, but it's not long-term and it's not sustainable. So the thought that we would enforce in some way, and i got a couple of different ideas, but some sort of enforced curtailment does make sense to the industry. So how, how might we do it then? Well, there's a couple of approaches. If the, if the government wanted to be bold and say, look, we're here to support the industry and we've been doing okay in the past, they could leave their royalty barrels behind, leave the royalty barrels on the ground and take those out at a different time, a different time when the price of oil is dramatically different. So that's a win for the citizens of the province of Alberta long term, and it's certainly a win short term in terms of creating um, incremental or reducing, if you will, the number of barrels being produced. The other, which is what we're talking about for the most part, is enforced curtailment, where in some model, and I don't know what the model looks like, but small producers drop 5%, mid-sized producers drop 10%, a few of the big guys drop 15%, whatever it is. And if someone like Synovus, who I hear is on side with this, if someone like Synovus or Canadian Natural, some of the big players uh, are on side, then I don't see why the industry wouldn't move forward, why the government wouldn't forward, wouldn't move forward rather, um, and sort of, I mean, let's be clear, industry isn't going to voluntarily say, well, I'll drop, hopefully the rest of you will drop. Yeah, exactly. And so, again, but people say that the industry is opposed to it. No, they're not opposed to it. They just need to be guided and given direction because it's not simple to have, I mean, if nine guys out of 10, nine women out of 10 in the batch drop their production, the 10th will benefit disproportionately. So everyone has to play. There's no choice. Yeah. Everyone has to play. And the idea would be to, to try to get the price up. Is that why we'd be doing it? For sure. Right yeah. now, one of the reasons that the differentials expanded, there was an outage at a refinery in Whiting, which took a lot of our crude, but there's also oversupply in the basin. And let's, you know, if you want to talk pipelines, there's another hour of conversation, but there's oversupply in the basin. And if we reduce the oversupply temporarily, three months, six months, nine months, some number, um, we can take the excess off the market, which has driven the differentials to be so wide. And again, remember, we were looking at 15 to $20 oil in Alberta, the differential being 40 to $50 relative to the world price of oil, which, you know, I'm invested in a company on the south side of the border. We're receiving the full price of oil and looking across the border at Saskatchewan going, mm, too bad, you're getting 50 bucks less than we are for the same, for the same barrel. Makes no sense. Well, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, you know, as I said at the outset, I mean, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. I mean, we, we really need to be thinking outside the box right now, don't we? Well, if we could have really desperate measures enforced, we'd recall both governments, the federal and the provincial, elect people that are thoughtful and responsible in terms of respecting the fact that we have in place processes for approving pipelines. These pipelines have all been approved six ways to Sunday. The U.S. has its own agenda in terms of not wanting the Keystone XL to come across the border, and yet the U.S. is building pipelines like crazy internal. And Canada? No, we're not doing pipelines because apparently we haven't consulted with absolutely everyone, uh, including my deceased grandmother, on how the pipelines should be enforced. 
Yeah, so we look at uh, unconventional short-term solutions, but long-term, Brett, we, we got to get this figured out. I mean, we, we've got, uh, you know, investment drying up. We've got all kinds of uncertainty uh, around the industry. We've got, you know, C69 looming over us. You know, it's it's a worrying time, isn't it? 69 scares me a lot. The process that we have in place already scares me a lot because it, clearly the courts are saying it's not good enough. I don't agree. I think that when the Trans Mountain, or rather... Um, uh, when Keystone was rejected recently, pardon me, when Trans Mountain was rejected recently in the courts, as was Keystone, but as the Trans Mountain rejection should have been countered with a government slap that says, no, we're going to court. We're going to enforce the rules of law that we have. We have regulation. We have process. We followed them. We're comfortable. But, of course, now we've got a group of killer whales that apparently haven't been fully considered. I don't agree, based on the information I've seen. And certainly we've got additional Aboriginal or First Nations groups uh, looking for additional consultation. And while I agree that we need to have adequate, in fact, it sounds like more than adequate consultation, we're stumbling when we start to allow every intervener in the world to show up after the fact. Uh, do you remain hopeful, though, that, that we can uh, meet the court's uh, obligations on Trans Mountain, that they can move forward south of the border on Keystone XL? Did you remain optimistic through it all? Well, I do, and it's because, and it's it's because I don't think that the process is a rubber stamp in any way, shape, or form. But there going to be, there will be additional indigenous consultation. There will be additional looks and reviews at tanker traffic. But based on the information I have, and the fact that they've already reviewed and approved everything, the goal of regulation, the goal of the approval process, isn't to get permission from 100% of the people who might have an interest in it. You're never going to get 100%. But the goal is to make sure that the project is environment responsible and economically in the interests of our nation. Well, we've already proven that once. Now we're going to prove it again. So I'm confident that that proof will be in the pudding, so to speak, and we will get there. But we need to do more than just rubber stamp and pay lip service to this process, which is why the government's put in place a rigorous, expanded, and accelerated process for that incremental review. And only in the world of government would they say six to nine months is fast, but let's accept that that's where we're at. I suppose so. All right. Well, appreciate the insight. Uh, as always, Brett, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Any and always. Thank Take you. care. Uh, that is W. Brett Wilson, uh, entrepreneur, philanthropist, uh, and former Dragon, of course, his thoughts on where the industry's at and, and his thoughts on this interesting and unconventional idea to, at least in the short term, impose some production cuts. It seems a little radical, but as Brett Wilson says and others in the industry say, there is a case to be made for it. Not everybody is excited about the idea, and that might be enough to to discourage government, I think, at this point. If you had a cross-the-board buy-in, it might make it a little easier for the government to, to take this step. But if you got some holdouts, if you got some who are pushing back, uh, it, it's going to be tough. What do you make of this idea, though? 403-974-8255. we got a lot more to get to uh, on the program today. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.